Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Many of us came from a Christian tradition where we did not pray for the dead. Maybe when we first came to Orthodoxy, maybe we were taken aback a bit when we learned that prayers for the dead have been said in every liturgy around the world since the days of the apostles. The dead have always been prayed for. You know, even the Jews... Even the Jews spoke about praying for the dead. That's why, by the way, Luther tried to get rid of some of the books that are in our Bible that are not in the Protestant Bible was because of these references of prayers for the dead. But for all of us, maybe once we sort of began to get used to the idea, maybe when we were taught a little bit about why we pray for the departed, and most importantly, as we began to do it, as we began to pray, to intercede, for our loved ones, and for even those that we don't know. We came to discover a great comfort in this. A great comfort and a closeness to this great family that we belong to. And even more importantly, I think we came to discover the presence of God in these prayers. The presence of the Spirit of God as we intercede for those who have gone on, whose works are tested by fire, as St. Paul says, and who await, yet await, their adoption. As St. Paul says in the book of Romans, the redemption of their bodies. Our adoption as sons is complete in the redemption of our bodies at the resurrection. There's still work going on. If someone asks you why we pray for the departed, If someone asks you why we pray for the parted, ask them back, pull a Jesus on them, ask them a question in response, ask them, say, well, why do we pray for anyone? Why do we pray? If they can answer that question, then they should know why we pray for the departed. Those who do not understand prayers for the departed, you will find most likely do not understand the meaning of prayer in the first place. I mean, God knows what we need. He doesn't need us to inform him. Jesus is the mediator, so why are you praying anyway? Jesus is the mediator. Jesus is the intercessor. Jesus finished the work, didn't he? He doesn't need us to pray. Why do we pray at all? Well, God, as St. John tells us in his epistle, God is love. Three persons in an interpenetrating union of love. One God. And the meaning of our whole life and our whole existence is for us all to become one. One with God and one with one another. We pray and we intercede for one another because this is how, in large part, we realize our love for God and our love for one another. When we pray, to pray, to intercede, is to mediate. Is to mediate. 
The role of a mediator is essentially to bring two distinct things together and to unite them. A mediator and the role of mediation, this is the instrument which manifests and realizes the purpose and the meaning of everything. Everything that is good and true and beautiful. Jesus Christ, who now, even now, as Hebrews tells us, makes intercession for the saints. Jesus is the mediator. Okay? He is the mediator. But we as Christians, as little Christs, we share in his uh, ministry of mediation. Because we are a kingdom, he has made us a kingdom of priests. Priests are essentially fulfilling the role of mediator. And we are a whole kingdom and nation of priests. And we fulfill our priesthood by mediating, by bringing together those things in love and sacrifice and praise to God. And we fulfill this ministry of gathering together into one, of mediation, of priestly mediation. We all fulfill this, this uh, ministry and our royal priesthood, in every area of our life. Every area of our life. By giving alms and doing charitable deeds. By just being kind. Everything that we do, even by suffering. When we suffer and we offer that to God, even that is a part of our role as mediators and priests. But what really sanctifies and anoints all these sort of secondary ways of mediation ultimately is our worship of God. When we engage with God in prayer before His heavenly throne, where the body and blood of our Lord is presented to the Father as an acceptable sacrifice, and we offer ourselves in Christ to God, and we pray, we offer prayers for all the faithful, and for all the world, for our friends, our loved ones, those that we know and those that we don't know, for the entire world, both living and dead, there are the prayers for the living and the dead. And today's Mass especially, we focus our attention on praying for those who have died, who have departed this life. St. Gregory, and these prayers are very important, these prayers impact and affect these people in ways that we perhaps do not understand. But we know that it is important for us to pray for them. St. Gregory the Great gives us several stories, and we have many, many stories actually from the saints about the effectiveness of prayers, offerings for the departed. He tells a couple of stories. He says, one brother, he says, for breaking the vow of poverty, this was in St. Gregory's monastery, one brother for breaking the vow of poverty was deprived of a church funeral. Oh dear. <laughs> well, he was deprived of his church funeral and prayers after his death for a period of 30 days in order to strike fear into the hearts of others. They were a little tougher back then than we are today, I think. But later, out of compassion for his soul, the bloodless sacrifice and prayers were offered up for him for the space of 30 days. By the way, we have, we have, we say the mass at someone's burial, then we say it three days later, then seven days later, then 30 days later, then on the yearly anniversary. 
of their death. The Byzantines, by the way, say it uh, nine days later and 40 days later, and the reason for the difference is because they are late for everything. <laughs> but that's okay. It's an accepted cultural norm in that world. But we're, we're, we're of English descent. We like to queue up and we like to be on time. Um, so later, so this poor monk, because he, he had not, you know, followed the vow of poverty, they didn't say the funeral mass for him. But 30 days later, so they made him suffer for 30 days. 30 days later, they went ahead and then said, daily mass for him for 30 days out of compassion for his soul. On the last of these days, the deceased appeared in a vision to his brother, whom he had left among the living, and said, Until now it has gone badly for me, but now I am at peace, for today I received communion. This is from St. Gregory. In his dialogues with the deacon Peter, St. Gregory also tells of an apparition of a dead man who begged a priest to help him by praying for him to God. Quote, from this, it is obvious, he concludes, how profitable the sacred sacrifice is for souls. For the souls themselves ask it of the living and indicate the means by which they are cleansed of sins. You're going to want somebody to pray for you when you go, aren't you? You think about that. And uh, you're going to want somebody to be praying for you. So you should be praying for your loved ones. Again, St. John the Damascus asks, But who can number all the testimonies found in the biographies of holy men and the accounts of the lives of the holy martyrs and the divine revelations which clearly indicate that even after death, tremendous benefit is rendered to the departed by prayers, liturgies, and the distribution of alms for them. For nothing given to God perishes in return, but is rewarded by him with the greatest interest. When we fail to mourn for the dead or simply send off a departed one without any ceremony or prayer, which is becoming very popular these days, not among us, but in other parts, when we ignore their struggle, oblivious to our own ongoing relationship with the departed after they are gone, when we act as if they do not exist, they are not a part of our lives, are we with theirs? When we do these things, we fail to properly recognize the human person that God has made, and we fail to express the love of God. We are not just to love those that we can see and hear and touch. We are to love the entire company of saints, the whole church, all mankind, both living and dead. We also fail to actually behave like we believe in the resurrection. Let us be faithful to remember the departed, who are in truth, as Christ teaches us and taught Martha, they are not dead. <laughs> That's why Paul, you know, we call them dead. We mean the spirit leaves from the body. We're sort of caught with our language here. We use the terminology dead, but Paul always spoke of them as falling asleep in the Lord. They're not really dead. They are alive in Christ. And let us recognize through our actions, through our prayers and intercessions for them, that they are still now a part of our life in Christ. They are part of our life in Christ. And we will be united with them 
in the eternal kingdom. May they rest in peace, and may God have mercy on all the faithful departed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.